Welcome to Clued Up But Clueless. This is a podcast that takes you on a journey of levelling up and growth. We're going to talk about all things self, all things work, and all things money. Join, it's me Karina and Gloria, also known as Coco Not Quite Chanel. So let's let's go. go. Welcome back everyone. We hope you've had a good Halloween. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 11. First of November. Well, when you're listening to this, it'll probably be the second. But can you believe the year has gone by so quickly? It's so crazy how much I feel like I've lived at least 10 years in the last year or two because of the panoramic. And not just that, like the way we've come out of it now and life slowly returning back to normal. It feels like I've really lived multiple lives. I know that sounds mad, but I hope no, you but get I, what I mean. I fully hear you because it's like I can't even tell whether it's gone quick or if it's gone slow but then life at the start of the pandemic is so different from how it was now but then at the same time you know and people like oh 2019 was two years ago I'm like how exactly that I was having that exact same thought some random person decided to text me on my old number and it was a guy that I went on a date with in 2019 but genuinely I was like that's so long ago I actually cannot remember I don't remember you I don't remember this like that that as far as I'm concerned is 10 years ago but then I actually thought about it. I was like no that's literally just pre-pandemic it's just yeah. because we've been in this so long wow like, does, does 2020 even really count as a year I don't know I'm not counting it. it but we're what two months away from 2022 and the pandemic started technically coronavirus COVID-19 so it started in 2019 it's just time time is an illusion I swear I don't believe in time anymore it really is and you know what the older you get like all the adults when I was younger always told me oh you know what make the most of these years because as you get older life really starts to go by quick honestly the way that the years are going by like months used to it's really frightening because I remember six weeks holiday when I was at school used to feel like three years it used to feel like the longest amount of time long six weeks was so long do you know at the the end you're starting to actually want to go back to school it's been that long exactly and you missed your friends you know like you're ready whereas now oh my gosh six week holiday from from work would go by in a flash even my three month vacation which is finally over Mm. went by like that it was very crazy I think that in work you know where you're like oh we've got something coming up in January best start planning now that's not too far away when did this happen (laughs) (laughs) not even not even at work girl with your friends we're like okay so are we all available on the 3rd of april 2022 (laughs) it really be like that (laughs) people have plans every weekend for the foreseeable future it's actually where we're at now in life exactly that how was your week this week anyway or the past two weeks for you well um I was in Dubai um living up and getting heat rash I got the worst heat rash of my whole entire life it covered my whole body I'd never gotten heat rash on my thigh and leg before that's not even exposed to the sun um I Euro- European living has really messed me up so I got heat rash and heat burn but I had the time of my life Good. but I will say I just there's things to appreciate about Dubai I guess now but <laughs> I just don't know if it's for me. It's very manufactured and I'm very, I'm just, I don't know. I feel like it's just not my sort of place, but I did enjoy my time. Yeah, You looked amazing. You looked so good. For anyone who doesn't follow Gloria's personal page, go and look at Coco, not quite Chanel. She looked amazing in Dubai. Oh, thank you, lovely. Also, speaking of, Karina hosted probably the funniest Halloween party I think I saw (laughs) on my TL. And that's saying a lot. 
It was a meme party, and I swear, guys, I've never cracked up so much just looking at pictures. No, you know what? No, I can't. I can't take credit for the meme party. I was just an attendee, but we then hosted another party the next night. So Halloween weekend has been. Oh my god, I'm suffering now. But it was like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday motives I don't know who I think I am but the meme party was hilarious I went as you know the brat doll that looks like she's just been <laughs> bent over and had a good time yeah Sasha went... with a blue eyeshadow all over her eyes <laughs> yeah I went as her and Jody went as he's my housemate but um I don't even know what the meme's called but you know the guy he's like smiling with the glasses and the headband I don't know what it's called but she went viral like the meme party was hilarious and it then, was the accuracy of Jodie's one that oh really got me because I was like, the wow. Angle, she's now the background on my phone, you know, that picture, the angle, everything to do with it. It was well executed. That's all I can say. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah. <gasps> and then I had my own party here, um, which was really cool. I went as Medusa that night. So, you know, switched it up a little bit from a meme to Medusa. And now I'm just trying to lay low I want November to actually be a quiet and restful month for myself truly I feel like we got to gear up till Christmas Mm -hmm. and use all of like our remaining energy for the rest of the year to really bang out Christmas parties Mm -hmm. because we're actually going to be able to have work Christmas parties and I feel like usually work Christmas parties are already very crazy and mad and people really disrespect themselves at those things but imagine that when people have been inside of their houses and working from home for like two years I'm scared oh my god it's and I know you're over there but I feel like British culture as well the pubs are gonna be mad everything is going to be a little bit more extra than it has been in a while I might even have to fly over on the weekends just to get a little taste. I you know you like it. it. <laughs> I'm a crackhead at heart. I really do enjoy it. Like British drinking culture is second to none. And what I've realised since I moved away is we really do have a problem, but yeah. I, I kind of enjoy it. So I think I will, a couple of those parties will definitely see me. So <laughs> it's got to be done. It's got to be done. You've got to like embrace your Britishness every now and again. Exactly. That or Pretty Patel will revoke my passport. So let me just start drinking now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what what are we talking about for this week's episode? Moving on. So, yeah, this this episode, it's a work part. And we decided to make this one about climbing the ladder authentically. So giving the listeners some ideas on ways to like progress up in your career, move up in your job or whatever it is that you're doing, but doing it in a way with real integrity and you know just some tips of what we've done along the way and some things that we want to approach as well as we continue to grow in our careers yeah like like we say it's authentically so the experiences are going to be also based on what we found works for us everyone's different things might work for you differently but we hope that in sharing our personal accounts of these things, it just doesn't feel like those pep talky people on LinkedIn that give you all of these tips that you just know wouldn't work in your workplace. We want to make sure that what we're doing is humanizing kind of the experience of actually working in a workplace where so many people give advice and it's like, I don't know where you work, girl, but it's just, it's not realistic. So hopefully this is different. Yeah, it should be. It should be, and it's real. And as we say in every episode as well, we're still learning. So these are tips that 
as have worked so far but also that maybe haven't worked for us and we'll share those as well and give you a bit little bit more context in our own journeys because we've not spoken too much about that and Gloria's is a little bit more confidential but she can share little bits and pieces of how you kind of progressed so far as well yep cool so should I start with my journey and then yep um I'll I'll make some points along the way as I go but for those who don't have any context of me or maybe just people who I've never told this to but every position that I've been in post kind of um retail or service jobs when I was young I've always progressed within them so at university I started out as a student ambassador for Goldsmiths which is where I went uni shout out Goldsmiths Loki not really <laughs> um <laughs> But I I was a student ambassador and it was actually a really cool job to have. It was like £10 an hour. And when you're a uni student, that's such a good pay. Um, you would do things like on open days, you would wear the jumpers and guide people around. But there was also other opportunities to do little bits of admin work and office work at the uni while you're doing it. And that's how I started off in my career. And I was just really lucky to get placed in an office, which was like the development um, and alumni office, which is basically like fundraising, using the network and growing up. And I was doing little bits of admin, couple of days a week as a student ambassador. And then the office themselves actually wanted to hire me personally, rather than using the student ambassador scheme. So they took me on board as a student assistant. And then from there, when I graduated uni, um, I was their graduate trainee so they then hired me full-time to work with them trained me up on using CRM and database systems like higher level administration so it was like a really integral part of the office and then I became their official graduate database person so that trajectory there was over the space of probably like three years of progression and three or four different roles along that way I was getting pay rises incrementally and obviously the title changes um, and from there after that I left and went on to become a trainee project manager on a grad scheme so the grad scheme was like a rotational opportunity where at the same time as doing it you're also being qualified on leadership and management and I worked on um, two different projects it was supposed to be three but I left early for my role that I'm in now kind of so I went over to be the head of Shadows of Shine which is the charity that I'm now CEO of but when I came in I was the head although there was no one technically above me that our founder Becky was my senior um, and I worked on Shadows of Shine for two years as the head of but now I've stepped into the role of CEO so I'm I'm not accountable to her anymore I completely run that and then alongside that through my relationship with Becky through her understanding of how I work and my abilities and my strength as a leader I'm also co-founder of um, Roxia which is the app and I'm COO of the app as well and then finally alongside I'm a consultant but through my consultancy work and doing good jobs for other people I've been able to get other clients and other jobs as well and this is kind of the situation I'm sat in at the moment so all of my journey from the age of 19, I guess, when I was a student ambassador up until now, and I'm nearly 27, has been a lot of progressions climbing the ladder. I haven't really done much jumping from company to company to work up. I've stayed within pretty much the same companies and worked my way up that way. So I think it's quite a different way of climbing the ladder than Gloria. I know what you're going to share where you've kind of moved companies as well as climbed up within the one you're in. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, before I go into techniques and tips, that's a bit of background about my journey. And Gloria, I'll just hand over to you to share your progression this far. Yeah, I'll be super quick with mine. I will say, um, I guess this is a good thing about having two hosts for a podcast like this, because let me just tell you, girl, Karina is like is the opposite of me when it comes to her early life career journey. When I was working at my like little retail jobs, you know, before I really had anything super serious outside of uni, I was not progressing, girl. I may, may or may not have gotten fired. <laughs> I, was just, I was incredibly unserious about my life for so long. <laughs> Mm-hmm. so the less the less I say about that the better you know I definitely did some 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 slightly stupid things let's say um in my personal life when I was younger I was just super irresponsible all around but after I left uni um I did an internship and I thought I'd really like that it's like in an international organization it's like it had some esteem and I think the issue was all kind of like my life I'd like just had such a broad like range of skills and I was still trying to really figure out like what I wanted to do with my career and I think what they don't tell you is that that feeling you get after you leave uni is the maddest feeling because your whole life you go to school you have a whole day kind of planned out for yourself and you know what you're meant to do but that feeling of like purposelessness but then also suddenly you're meant to figure out like exactly what you want to do with the whole rest of your life and like be organized it's the maddest feeling I felt very very lost so my internship I did it let's say it was nice I moved to a different country um I guess it just wasn't challenging and I knew that what I didn't want to do was waste too much of my 20s because it's a time where you can like figure yourself out and do all manner of things but there's nothing worse than feeling like you're just wasting your life so I cut that changed industry and everything completely because that put me off so much that I said you know what maybe the whole international thing just isn't for me I got very very homesick because I was very young and I'd never like lived in a different country before I wasn't really prepared so I moved back to London um, and got into um, recruitment and I'm gonna like name drop that because I think that's a trap that's not a trap I mean it's a good career if you really like it and you're in sales but it's something that a lot of graduates fall into they actively recruit for graduates to become recruiters so I got into recruitment I liked it the company that I initially worked for hmm, the less I say about that team the better um I think that's another thing I'd warn people about oh my gosh when you join a team and it's a new team uh, I think in all of my positions what really was lacking was that the overarching sense of purpose not only just with myself but with what the actual team was meant to be doing and I'm just not a particularly obedient person when it comes to following instructions that I know don't make sense I'll always be like okay but why are we doing this Um, like what's the end purpose and that didn't work out with that company I then moved and actually got a job with another company and it was in the interview process that I was like hmm, I'm actually quite good at this because the director interviewed me and I actually got a promotion during my interview because I started a position higher than what they were actually willing to recruit for and I got a pay increase so I did that I started there it was all great I met a boss that actually worked with my working style fab 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 and then I decided you know what I just don't see my whole future going down this route in recruitment because it's very easy to see how you can progress in that kind of um environment that kind of company because they literally tell you they say okay well average it takes this time to do this this time to do this 
And that was the first time I really saw myself being able to grow in a company. But then that's also when I realized because I see where this is going, I'm not sure that's what I want. So then I decided to change my mind again, (laughs) move back to the country that I originally moved to because, you know, being older and figuring out what I wanted, I knew that maybe that environment could work for me. And I do like the international sphere. I didn't want to be stuck in London, no offense, Um, but it was just feeling very ghetto to me at the time. I hated the commute. I hated everything about it at the time I wanted to get away. But I knew that I would need to study again and like retrain a bit more, specialize a bit more to ultimately do something that I was really passionate about because the more I worked, the more I got to know myself, the more I kind of figured out what that was. And you know what? This sounds so crazy, but thank you so much, everyone who voted Lee. (laughs) Thank you so much for Brexit because if it wasn't for Brexit and if it wasn't for that whole chapter happening and us having to understand a bit more about what that meant for our future by proxy I had to learn a bit more about what trade was what all these different things were that were going to change if it wasn't for all of that happening I wouldn't have been interested in studying what I studied and I definitely wouldn't have the career that I have now so that crazy Brexit thing encouraged me to study and then I did well I got an internship somewhere you know matched my studies and I kind of started the ladder again and it was really it's kind of disheartening at that stage when you're a few years out of uni feeling like you're constantly like restarting the ladder but it's definitely something that I don't regret it's the best decision I ever made in my life and I definitely wouldn't be where I am if I didn't take the chance to you know just start again because you know you're never too old to just start again if you really think that you could be passionate about something and that's me. <laughs> no, thanks for sharing that. And I, I, like you said at the start, I completely agree that it's good that we both have different opinions because, well, not opinions, sorry, but different journeys, because um, it's one thing to climb the ladder authentically, but it's also another thing to make sure you're climbing the right ladder. So like equally as important and like for everyone who knows you and people who maybe stalk you on LinkedIn can see that the opportunity that you've gone for is incredible. Yeah, I think a lot of people see like the end result, but like the how I got there with like the jumping from this industry or this company to this thing and this thing and this thing. If people knew me at that kind of stage, I think my career cycle just looked very, very erratic and like I was an unserious human being. But it's just because those things didn't feel right. So I'm glad that I took all those risks at the time. And now people see the outcome. I guess it looks worth it, but it definitely was not like a straightforward linear journey. No, not at all. So what I want to go into now is like more technical, practical points of Mm -hmm. some of the things that I've just learned along the way. And I'm going to um, begin in talking about the start of my career, which is when I was more in the higher education route, doing the student office assistant, the database stuff, the project management stuff, because I think it's very different from what I'm doing now. And um, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. The first and most important thing is actually you actually have to work hard to climb the ladder authentically so this (laughs) this podcast is not going to be like unrealistic tips that that don't really apply like there's so many tips that you can take on board but at the end of the day if you're not good at your job you're not going to climb the ladder authentically unless your dad owns the company so 
genuinely from the off and I I say this with pride but I worked very very hard um and that was everything from being I guess almost the the teacher's pet but in a work context so when I was given a job or a task I would do it to the best of my ability I would finish it on time um I knew when my deadlines were if I wasn't understanding something I would speak to my manager um, the type of role that I was in, especially in the database stuff, like attention to detail is so vital when you're working with data migration, because one wrong data point can mess up basically the entire database and you have to figure it all out again. So I, I prided myself on being that diligent, focused worker, which was really applicable into the office setting that I was in. Um, so from when I was progressing in these different roles and they wanted me to stay in the office, it really was because the proof was in the pudding and the work that I was doing was actually reflective of the type of character that they wanted in the office. So at the start as well, I worked harder than probably I would in, in now, um, but I think it is important. <laughs> I think when you're starting out, it's one of those things where you you kind of just have to take the L sometimes and work harder than you'd necessarily want to. That's not um, to say like work 10 hour days when you're only being paid for a nine to five. But that is saying like genuinely don't go over your lunch hours um, be on time, leave at an appropriate time as well but let people know that you're, you're there to work. You're not someone who's just there to see it as a job. And this is especially important if you're thinking more along the lines of you want a career and you're trying to progress in a company. They want to know that you have the passion for it. And the best way to show that is by doing good work and being someone who's working hard. But on that note as well, the reason why my original first office that I was working in liked me so much and also the work that I was producing is because although I was following instructions and following old processes, I I also did some innovation and suggested some good ideas on how to improve. So the ladies in the office were, you know, probably a generation or two older than me. So they didn't also know a lot of things. So there was one example that I can think of that comes to the top of my head, which was about we had to send out mass emails and the database allows you to do it to some extent, but not completely. And there's an email plugin that you can add to Chrome. This is a bit of a long winded story, but basically you can do mail mergers in Google Chrome which allows you to send personalized emails to everyone without having to do this big complicated database thing. And mm-hmm. when I suggest things like that, because of the quality of my work in the past being so good, they take on board these new ideas. So it's not like you come in and as a new person and saying, change your old ways, mine is better. But when they see that your result, you show good results, and then after that, you're able to put in new ideas. You become the type of person that they want to keep in the workforce, and that who they believe is going to help them grow. So that would be my first point: is is genuinely make sure your work matches up to where you want to go. I I really like I really like that because honestly, everybody wants to be rewarded based on their merit and the number one way to kind of do that and assure that you will get good outcomes is to put in the work and I think so often especially in like our culture where everyone just thinks success comes overnight and 
they don't see the work that goes into it so often like they actually overlook the fact that at a base to be successful you need to actually put the hours and put the work in and work hard so so glad that you started off at that point because I think it's probably the most important yeah it's so important especially what we spoke about last episode as well as everyone wanting to be their own boss and make money quickly it still doesn't come Mm -hmm. without work exactly that people don't show you the the parts of their lives that didn't work out you only see the wins Mm -hmm. right so kind of moving on from Karina's story I feel like me and Karina honestly we're so so opposite (laughs) so I was hearing more about I was like we're really different (laughs) we're We're so different different. so at each point she was making such valid points I sat there thinking wow that is a good way to approach this whereas I did exactly the example she said not to do <laughs> honestly there were so many workplaces I'd go in and I'd be like you know what it just makes no logical sense that you do things in this way <laughs> so I don't know like if if it will even be to the benefit of the company or to myself to put the right amount of energy into this task <laughs> and I'll make it be known I'll just say well has anyone asked why we're doing it in this way? Because I just feel like this is right. <laughs> Do you know what? There's a time and a place, but I think your first day is usually not the time. Oh, hard. Like somebody should have taught me how to be a bit more tactful because it honestly it got me in so much trouble. I will say, ultimately, the teams where I put, but it was like very obvious things like, okay, so if we're all new graduate students, why don't we have a manager to tell us how to do recruitment before we got put in a team? Like, I just thought that that would be something that somebody would do, but they didn't think about that. So anyway, um, so yeah, things like that, you know, maybe I should have kept to myself after like day three of just spending time on Facebook at work. I was like, no guys, like, when are we getting someone to teach us? Um, It's it's a very different scenario. I at least had constant (laughs) managers. See, that's the thing. You know what? I think it's going to link back to the bad bosses thing over time what I've learned is that in some workplaces it was a bit of me like the retail ones it was actually my my idea of the fact that I was at work to get money it was just a job and I did everything you said not to do I approached it as a job (laughs) I didn't take it seriously but I think what that also did was make it really hard to switch that mindset for jobs that I did actually want to stay in and do well for because there is a certain thing about just forcing yourself whether you see a future in a job or not to just care a bit more about the quality like of your work your reputation stuff like that and I think you know what with age you do want to put as much as yourself into these sorts of tasks and into these jobs even if they're not significant because you realize just how much like your reputation and like you know what do you know what I mean like how much your reputation and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um, is worth after you leave a place if you had a manager that really liked you values your work oh yeah you know the, the opportunities open up for you based on that and I think that's just something you've got to train yourself to do from the very beginning of your career and that's something that I wish I could go back in time and tell myself to take a bit more seriously because trying to adapt as you get further into your career and build build back in good habits when you've had bad habits for so long you know it's just not the right way to go about it so I definitely wish I kind of would have taken Karina's approach but move on to like my first point that I would kind of give based on my own story I really feel like in terms of actual progressing like progression up the career ladder once you're in a place you like it and you know you kind of want to see where it can go I think the number one thing 
that held me back was the fear kind of of rejection because so often in the workplace and in life in general if you don't make your 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 feelings be known nobody knows you want that so I found that in the um, workplace where I did the best it's because I actively made it be known to my manager look like I really really like it here this is this and this is kind of like how I, I, I would like to progress. I see that other people in, in this company have done this and like, I want to know how to get there. If you let people know that you're enthusiastic, you see a future and you want to know how to actually achieve that goal, you can make sure that everything you're doing is for your benefit ultimately at the end. Because so often if you go in with the mindset that it's not a career and it's a job, you're going to go in nine to five, you know, tick away the hours, tick away your day, but you're not actually going to get any closer to achieving any of the goals that you've set out for yourself. Whereas if you go in a bit more strategically and you actually just take a chance and, you know, just ask the questions and put yourself out there and, you know, don't like you move confidently and you don't like restrain yourself because you're a bit anxious or you're afraid you you tend to find that people once you show an interest and you're really like enthusiastic about it people are so willing to help you because they're just like wow oh my gosh like you really do enjoy being here you really do care about this okay and a lot of people are just open and willing to help but you have to actually put yourself out there for that to happen and I definitely in all senses of my life personal professional that's been a constant thing is getting over the fear of rejection but then I really had to keep telling myself okay well you know what the worst that somebody can ever say to you is no if you put yourself out there in the professional sense it's been easier than the person but that's a story for another day in the professional sense the worst they could say is no and then what are they going to do fight because you asked the question no like they're just like oh well you know not at the moment but in the future and then you're just back where you are nothing changes in a negative sense for you you can only gain from exploring so why not just explore and take the risk yeah I love that advice because it's it's always the fear that holds us back but like you say they can't actually fire you for asking we're tied we're all got we've got contracts we've got different things protecting us so if you turn around to your manager and say can I try this can I work on this project can I get paid more they like you say all they can say is no they're not like no but also you're fired you just carry on doing as you were doing before exactly and you know what it might bruise your ego and I think that's the main thing people don't want to admit is that just hearing the word no it bruises your ego because maybe you've started to like imagine what that alternative could be like but it should actually really motivate you because once you hear that no that was the worst it's going to get and you're just where you already were it should just motivate you to prove to them why you do deserve exactly what you said like let it drive you use the no to like move on to something else and you know what if they keep saying no then that needs to also let you know that maybe that company is not for you maybe the team is not for you Mm -hmm. and it kind of stops you from wasting your time somewhere that you know can't fulfill like your your goals and your aims for yourself and at least that helps you like cut that journey short and explore other options sooner so you can really only stand to gain 
You're right. And it's finding that balance between recognizing when you've still got more to learn, but also recognizing when a company's holding you back from your growth. So it's a delicate balance. But if you'll keep hearing no's month after month after you consistently are hitting targets or you're not doing anything that's majorly wrong, then that would be the time to try and climb the ladder in an alternative company or industry and try yourself elsewhere. Yeah. And especially as someone who's like worked in recruitment, they always kind of make it seem so fearful to jump from one company to another company because they say, oh, you know, jumpy CV. But I'm going to be honest with you guys. People don't care. Like if there's no gaps, but you jump from one place to another place to another place, obviously not like every six months or anything. But if you've been there like over a year and then you've asked for promotion and you've gone somewhere else and gotten a promotion, that's a completely valid reason to leave. And from a form of a recruitment point of view it looks good that you've taken a step up when you've moved to another company if you've moved and got the same position then we're assuming you got fired child but mm-hmm. if that's not the case and at each time you've made a conscientious step within your career then they're hiring you for a reason like you keep getting hired because you are good at what you do but sometimes because you're just so set within a company they just overlook your skill set it's good to just put yourself out there on the market and you know not hold yourself back and really explore other opportunities especially oh I forgot to say this this is a really good one I saw this on the internet and it really like I it never occurred to me that people don't really do this in graduate schemes you know a lot of the time people are tied in because it's like a three-year rotational scheme and somebody online said the worst thing somebody can do is actually do all of their graduate scheme in situ at the same company because after your first year you've got one year in in industry experience in that thing the fact that they're kind of fixing you in um, to this kind of salary with incremental pay rise that's really not that much if you take that one year experience place yourself as a as a like I don't know like a early stage candidate like a junior candidate in another company doing the exact same thing but don't apply for the graduate position apply for a regular position that just requires junior level experience you would basically double your money and I was like wow oh my gosh I never thought about that yeah so it's just another example it's a good point as well because the reason why companies make the graduate scheme so long like that is because recruitment is so expensive and training up a new grad is so expensive that they think that if you stay there for three years you'll be so comfortable with the company you'll naturally progress into like a junior level job at that organization and stay slightly more loyal to them but you actually just don't need to be loyal to these people it's not your problem how much it costs them to recruit you so do strategically jump around exactly I mean at the end of the day they're paying you because you have a certain skill set and they think you're good at what you do they're not paying you as a favor mm-hmm. exactly so another point I wanted to move on to um because it's relevant to the the grad scheme conversation is the grad scheme I was on I was actually rotating across multiple different organizations um so I was jumping from university to university at, at the time and another way that's helping climb the ladder authentically is actually getting integrated into the organizations, especially if you're someone who feels like a small cog in quite a large machine. So one of the um, institutions I was working at, I think I had over a thousand staff, which is obviously huge. And it's hard to really make a mark on a place like that. 
And Mm -hmm. the way I would suggest actually being able to do that is joining groups and societies. So I always seek out the Society for Black Staff or sometimes they do BAME depending on what the organization is like. And that will be for like social, but also work things. Because when I was there, there was um, a really badly named group called Greg um and it literally <laughs> it literally standed for um goldsmith race equality group greg i don't know if they've renamed Shut up. <laughs> um, but but i actually put myself forward as one of the spokespeople for my department that i was working in at the time so i was very actively involved in you know working out some of the issues on campus for staff not for students because a lot of the focus tended to be on students and was ignoring mm-hmm like the there was issues with staff progression especially black women progressing not being in senior level roles or staff not feeling listened to or feeling quite alienated so joining a group like that already made made sure that I had allies within the organization but Mm -hmm. what you tend to find not exclusively but often is that senior black people who work there will be in these groups because they're championing the change and they're the ones who can actually implement it so by default I then began to know a lot of the senior members of black staff in the organization and there wasn't many so again if other opportunities came up I didn't take advantage of them because I left the scheme but they still know my name we're still connected on LinkedIn they still see what I'm up to and they still have that memory of me so if I do ever have to go back and perhaps collaborate with them in the future or whatever it is I, I now know these people so joining societies again if you're listening and you're not black there's probably still other societies and groups that you can join amongst staff there may even mm-hmm. just be socializing opportunities like when they ask you to go for a drink after work it might feel a bit long you might be like these aren't my friends they're my colleagues but a lot of opportunities are given over a pint in the pub and mm-hmm. it's helpful to go a couple of times if you're not a drinker just get a lemonade and tell them it's a G&T so they don't be on your case the whole time um and use use these times to talk to people and get to know your managers outside of a work setting because when they like you as a person they are going to naturally favor you more in a workspace it's just a nice way of getting yourself that leg in so when opportunities arise and you go into the interview the people already know you and they already like you and um, just echoing that point further is if there are workspace, um, common spaces like staff rooms or hot desking areas or perhaps staff canteens, I would suggest using them. As someone who used to be really introverted, I used to like, pray and could not wait for my lunch break because I'd walk out and I'd leave the office for the full hour, I'd leave campus and then come back when my lunch break would finish because I just needed to get away. And sometimes that's necessary, but also challenge yourself to say two days out of the week is staying in in the workspace and using a communal staff room or canteen to eat and having your face known and start making friends and having bits of chat because it helps you alongside you need to be good at your work but if people don't know who you are they're not going to help you step up as well and that's my next point I really agree and I'm so so sorry because after you explained what Greg stood for it actually stood for something like really like such a noble cause but it's just the fact that it's like no we all hate for black it. people no everyone is name I've ever heard this is what everyone used to say the first the first Greg meeting we all went and we were like why are we named after a white man <laughs> so and also people had issues with work with like 
the word race and also the word equality so they were just like this group needs to be renamed I don't know if it ever was but <laughs> they were trying Literally. they were trying <laughs> but um my my point is actually I'm gonna completely echo what Karina says but I'm actually gonna like bring the TL into this a bit and have to drag anonymous people on black Please Twitter do. and on the internet at large Please what I've been seeing, like people are giving the craziest, most incorrect advice online. They're saying at the end of the day, I'm at a job to do my job. I'm going to go and do my job well and then go home, clock in and clock out. Like that, that's what I'm on. And I was like, okay, well, good luck getting into any workplace that you speak of, sis. Because with that kind of sour attitude where you're just like, I'm just going to do my job, get in, get out and go home. Do you, do you think that you were the only competent candidate? And I think that's part of the issue is that realistically, when you are applying to work in any workspace, you've got to objectively think, am I realistically going to be the only suitable candidate? No. What would set me apart from the rest of the candidates? What's going to make me enjoy working there? What's going to make this last? why are they going to want to hire me specifically and a lot of the time that has got nothing to do with your competence because the whole point of sorting through the cvs looking at your qualifications looking at your previous experience is to basically deduce that you can do the freaking job they, they know you can like it's a pretty easy screening process to figure out if someone's got the skill set or not unless you're doing something very 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 technical they've probably got a lot of decent candidates at least decent and I say decent for a reason that I'll come on to later. So that's that's the first step to get into the interview. Once you've gotten to the interview, they like to use that word culture fit. They really do. And I think a lot of the processes in the UK are turning a bit more American with this, where they're really trying to push this. Before, culture fit was, oh, well, you know, we have an inclusive team culture. And they never did. It was just all lies. Um, and it was just like a throwaway thing that was kind of like put there but what they meant was you know what like we just want to like you whereas I know for a lot of the processes in America they actually have people for example that have like the top three candidates that they think that they'd like they'd basically give them like a day in office like actually working with the team and they'll have all of the like final three do that so wow. like have Yes, exactly that. And even for me at my last recruitment place, Girlie, it was that. I actually had to work with the team no for a morning. Way. Yeah. Like, Did they, they pay like, you? They made you do it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like days of free labor to me, but what do I know? Exactly. So I was like, half a, half a, for me, it was half a day. So I didn't mind that. I was like, okay, it's like an extended interview. Okay. But they basically did that to be like, okay, like even accounting for nerves, how do we think you'd actually fit in here? Like, what, how will you be when we hire you? And it's just an opportunity to like show how you would fit in with the other personalities in the team. I've had, I remember once when I um, moved back to London the first time <laughs> um I went through like a graduate recruitment agency and they placed me but as part of the recruitment process kind of with them they said oh you know some um some companies they actually um look at people's personality profiles they did like um those evaluations they did 
one that's basically going to give me my, the, the Myers-Briggs and I already knew mine so I wanted to tell them look I'm ahead of you buddy I already know my Myers-Briggs but they made me do it anyway but stuff like that really is so important I know in banking um, I was doing during my last year at uni uh, a couple of applications for some banks and as part of that, they also did um, like a game. That was one of the rounds that I had to get through. Honestly, girl, there were seven stages, but one of them, this game was to assess your personality type. But do you know, that's was... so, I feel, sorry, I'm cutting your midpoint, but you know, when you, it's could, all right. you, you could also, I feel like that's really unfair because people could, you can answer what you know they want to hear. No, this it was it was complete. It was a game, and it was literally you were playing a game. There was no questions. You were Mm. just playing a game, and basically at the end they said that it was to just assess your risk appetite because if you were taking lots of risks in the game, and like be willing to like risk losing a life, they already know that in trusting you with other people's money, you're going to be like one of those (laughs) rogue traders that like blows all of their money secretly and then tries to cover it up. So they know that they don't want you. But it's a clever way because they realised people were getting onto these questions. They knew how to answer. But putting you in a scenario where you feel a pressure because they also added time pressure and uh, accuracy, you had to be accurate. And on top of that, there had to be um, a target number of points to get onto the next round. So it's a exactly what you would be facing in a in-work scenario but made fun and I think stuff like that they're really just trying to ascertain not just if you can simply do the job but if you really have the right mindset to work within the team the right mindset to work within the company and the right mindset to really last in that job so that's like one example with the risk appetite where it's actually very necessary that they do that and I swear like if they could do that more (laughs) so um, less people decide to like bankrupt um, regular people by risking their money and act like it's casino better but um, in general terms when you get into a company and they place you within a team especially if there's more than one team a lot of the time they really do also look at which team or like which place would be best for you too it's kind of uh it's it's like a it's a double feedback loop there's feedback from you about like what you say you want to do the job you applied for and there's feedback from them saying okay so we have more than one team that does this or you know you apply for this but we actually think your responsibilities will suit this you know that they adapt somewhat in a lot of these different places and your actual job once you get there can sometimes change you might end up doing different responsibilities that they just think you're better for and that comes from you kind of adapting to that culture so yeah I think people really need to get out of this mindset that being good at the job is just enough just like that meritocracy is great and you know amazing that you can do what you can do but so can so many other people what makes you fit that company what makes you fit that role and like Karina says how will you know unless you don't socialize with your team like she said also it can really drag girls it Mm -hmm. can drag I was definitely one person that liked the drink aspect of the work drinks but didn't necessarily like the people at work (laughs) and um the the bigger the company the more intimidating it felt it just felt like an obligation all the time but then you realize that you really do miss out on so much if you don't go so even if you don't drink that we had um like um work away days like team building just take it seriously and just show some level of enthusiasm because 
even if you're not enthusiastic, you'll find someone else in the company just as unenthusiastic as you, which is what I ended up doing. My boss, Millie, hated all of those sorts of things. Mm. And we ended up being really good friends and she was notoriously very difficult to work with. And we got along like a house on fire. So it was a good match in the end. So, you know. Yeah. And just try. <laughs> just think about what your intention is with the job that you're in, in, the, in that time. So if you're working in retail, fair enough, you have no intention of being friends with these people. Although actually, sometimes the retail friends are the best ones you make because you all know you don't care. But um, in other jobs, like if it's an office job or an early grad job, if you do have some type of inkling that you may want to stay or get promoted, then then just, you know, go for a couple of drinks here and there. This whole Twitter advice, like I'm not working beyond what I've been paid is definitely helpful. But, you know, sometimes you just have to be a little bit strategic with it. Um, yeah which is actually, it ties in quite nicely with what my next point is going to be. Um, And that's about like building trust within who you are as a person with the person that necessarily needs to trust you. And I'll share the story of when I actually moved over to be the head of Shadows to Shine. So at the time I was on my um, project management grad scheme thing in the universities and I met the founder of the charity, fruit when she was delivering a talk and I knew I wanted to work for her I knew I wanted to work on the charity not just because of what the charity represented but because of what she represented and the different businesses that she's run and her success as well I wanted to be around it um and at first when I tried to approach her for you know suggesting this because the job didn't exist um she basically and palmed me off we joke about it now but she just she didn't she didn't want to know she was like that's nice nice to meet you because she has people coming at her every day wanting to be around her and in her circle um so I've I basically had to make her trust me enough to be able to get into the position where I am and how I did that was I actually volunteered for free over the summer while I was still working as the project manager um on the grad scheme and it's a bit different because it's a charity and obviously in other companies you don't necessarily want to work for free and I'm not in favor of like unpaid internships or anything like that so I'm not saying this is always appropriate but in this scenario because it was a charity I positioned me as being a volunteer I said I wanted to volunteer and there's way more to the story than that but not for today but I volunteered for basically a month or two and I set up a kind of strategy and plan for how the charity could grow. I did some things with getting it registered officially, wrote some policies, safeguarding, basically gave on a plate what my consultancy work now is that I charge a lot of money to do for people. But I gave it to her for free and I was like, this is what I can do. And she trusted me then because I'd proven myself and my ability, my decision making. And once I had that level of trust, that's when she actually hired me. And trust is applicable, not just in scenarios like that, but also in the workplace. And if you've ever gone from a position where you've been someone who's been managed to then becoming someone who is about to be a manager, trust is also another big thing that can help you get to that position. I remember the first time that I went on to be a manager, I was managing some students at the time um who were ambassadors. So it's kind of like full circle. I started managing the student ambassadors and that um being trusted to look after other people came from a lot of the hard work and everything else and the character but it was also proving that I have the ability to make decisions well and also showing that you're willing to ask for help 
I find like a lot of this is psychology as well. So if you speak to your manager and say, I really like the way you handle this, or could you give me some advice on how you manage this? Or let's say you're coming up with different scenarios in management, asking them their opinion and then applying what they've taught you shows them that they're someone that you can trust so they'll start letting you make decisions alone so when when they're very confident in the fact that you can make small decisions well and that you're the type of person who is going to start asking questions if you're feeling unsure you'll start to be given more and more responsibilities usually before you get to the point of promotion you already have started doing some of those requirements of that promoted job before you even start working in it and you're more likely to be given these opportunities when it comes up in the workplace and trust is a lot about character as well whether you're reliable whether you're able to show confidence because if if you're always being that person who doesn't put themselves out there who doesn't start making decisions and using common sense they're going to assume you don't have the confidence or ability to step up into roles so strategically start doing things that show managerial ability or show the ability to have integrity and people management skills I completely agree and you know what I'm kind of piggyback off this and share one of my actual experiences which I said in an interview and it actually ended up being the reason why that woman gave me the promotion on the spot that I didn't deserve (laughs) and it's and it's because um you know they always ask generic things what was your biggest challenge you know all these different things and um I got asked a question at an interview and they said okay so what's been the biggest lesson that you've learned in any previous job and I said you know what it's the power of actually saying no. And she was like, um, okay, go on. And I said, well, you know, the, the problem is um, so many of these different places, because you just want to be a pleaser. I really wanted to be a pleaser. I was really new to like the workforce. I just said yes to every single thing that somebody would give me. But then the problem is I started to look really unreliable because ultimately I could not do all the things that I was saying yes to but I was too afraid to say no. So I said, I realized that in managing people's expectations early and letting them know, okay, well, this is like what I can do, or like I might need help doing this instead of just agreeing to do things that I had like no idea how to do well, like actually letting people know kind of where I am at in these different processes, how busy I am with different things early to avoid later disappointment when they're actually expecting the outcome and I can't deliver. It just it just is so much easier to get the difficult conversation in at the beginning because people are a lot more understanding than let someone like Karina says, um, like try and put their trust in you and try and depend on you for something that they need. And then you ultimately let them down. It, that really does ruin your reputation and really impact you so much worse. So yeah, um, just sharing one of my experiences. And you know what? It was all the trauma from retail child. Um, I'd want all the extra hours. It'd be like, oh, you know, thingy sick. Can you cover the shift? I'm thinking, no, I cannot. I truly cannot. And it got to a point, like in all of my retail jobs, I was at one point, like I, I grew up in Essex. I was working in Westfield, white city because this is before Stratford Westfield was a thing I was working there after school to the shop closed and during Christmas time that would be like at 11 30 I'd end up leaving there and I have to get take like the journey home as well and then go to school That's so I was much. 
it was not worth that money girl but it was like a couple of pounds extra but factoring in the travel like I don't know why I did that it didn't make any sense um <laughs> you know what the maths wasn't mathing in hindsight but as a like money hungry child it made so much sense to me um so I I was like doing that and then they, they'd ask me to like do all these extra things on top of that and I'm literally looking at them like the amount that I'm sacrificing even to actually physically be here right now it's like and you're asking me to do additional things and I have not got it in me to say no so what I'm doing is saying yes and then disappointing every single person and ultimately would I have gotten fired from a couple of those retail gigs if I just did what I was meant to do and let people know and actually conversate with them and say okay well I could do this thing but I actually can't do these three extra shifts and I started oh my gosh at one point I was like do you know what maybe I could just miss a bit of class to go and fulfill this one thing and it's like does that make any logical sense no but it's because you know I was just like afraid of disappointing people but then ultimately I disappointed them even more when I let them down so yeah like people's trust is not easily given especially in the workplace you really need to earn it and if you're doing things that you can't follow through with you're really not going to gain anybody's trust that way yeah it it comes down to honesty right Mm -hmm. yeah definitely I think so let me see what 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 have I missed any of my points covered most of it ah yes this fits in really quite well actually with what you were saying um with you and Becky kind of as your role has changed and developed and your relationship's grown so my last point is making sure that you can continually like review your goals and gain relevant skills um kind of like along your journey as you go through whatever career progress you want to go through mm-hmm. a lot of people are kind of like set into like this this trap of over educating themselves and overcompensating where ultimately if they really spoke to people who do what they think that they want to do they'd be able to get a lot more of a straight lined way of how to achieve their goals and be able to adjust adapt and gain skills with that in mind whereas what people do is the opposite way because we feel like we're too underqualified to even attempt to do the thing that we want to do we try and overcompensate by learning all these additional skills that look nice on paper but might not actually have any merit once you get into the workplace and want to do what you think you wanted to do and do that job is that making any sense (laughs) yeah yeah, it definitely makes sense it's 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 like education with a purpose so for example I might want to I don't know I might want to be a manager of a small business or something one day there are some things that might sound like they'll be really really helpful for example if I wanted to learn some basic accounting practices would that be helpful probably yes however at some point would I be better off leveraging that time that I would have done to get this extra qualification to hire someone to do my books probably also yes but you know because it's vaguely within the same realm that we want to kind of go in we convince ourselves that we're learning all these additional things and it's going to help us then we get overwhelmed and then we want to over-educate ourselves and do all this sort of stuff whereas if we spoke to someone who does what we wanted to do they'd say do you know what I learned a lot of it on the job because 
learning on the job really is is the lick like Mm -hmm. you learn so much once you actually get to the workplace you can feel as qualified as you want in the world and then you get there you're like wow we I did not expect Mm -hmm. this so you learn a hell of a lot on the job anyway so don't ever feel like you're underqualified to attempt something you're probably more qualified than the person that was doing the job before you yeah and it's like not how you don't have to be a jack of all trades you really don't exactly and I think the problem with us especially as young people is we actually look especially if you're even just getting in and wanting to apply for a job um you you see all of these skills that they put in like the skill section and you don't read the difference between desired and required (laughs) because they they put like only like two things in the required and like 20 things in um desired and you psych yourself up from that moment saying oh well you know um all the different job posts I've seen for this require x y and z x y and z and x y z so you either go and try to chase all of these various different desirable things and lo and behold the person who has the job if you stalked them on LinkedIn which I definitely recommend doing please every single person if you think you want to do something in your career before you even utter these words to a single other person hop on LinkedIn stalk someone with a profile that you think that you want to aim to one day and look at their past experience yeah go on Glassdoor do the same look at what people are saying about what it's like to actually work company what their experiences were at the company and stuff like that so you can get a culture fit side of thing and a profile what their skill set requires side of thing and you know know the lay of the land but you should always try and figure out whether your skill sets match the actual role based on people in the role don't do it based on a job description and definitely don't do it based on what you imagine the job to be go based off what is happening in the real world and like try and gain the skills that you lack according to that because a lot of the time people just get lots of skills that look great on paper but actually not useful for the specific thing that they want to do yeah and it reminds me of a point that I read online somewhere I can't remember the exact statistic but it was like on average women if we have like eight out of 10 of the like essential criteria we won't apply for a role because we've not got 10 out of 10 but then Mm -hmm. they did the same experiment with experiment with men and if they had like three of the 10 they would just apply anyway and it would be really useful if women just adopted that practice because you never know you might just end up in that job and if it's something you want to go for and you're confident that you have the ability to learn it then definitely just do it exactly and you know what the worst they can say is no so why not yeah do you know what's so crazy to kind of like wrap wrap this off because this is this is like a full circle moment you know Mm. life imitates art imitates life um so it was my first day back in office today at the ghetto um (laughs) but um it's so crazy you say this because basically um I saw a vacancy that I had absolutely I actually can't apply to it the way that they do staff positions internal and external it's the whole thing there's a formal HR process so I couldn't apply to this vacancy but I was reading it it was fairly junior and I was like okay let me you know read more out of curiosity why was it describing my profile and it was something I really wanted to do so I was like (gasps) Mm -hmm. I was like I can't formally apply to the posting however can I let senior people in my department know that this is something that I would be really interested in yes because Mm -hmm. what what's the worst they're going to say oh well you know you can't apply to the posting because it's this I'm like yeah I've read it I know yeah Um, so like that doesn't change the outcome but if I let people know that you know what this sort of thing if you get anything basically the exact same as this again or even better 
if this does not get filled internally and then goes out to market, let, and I put the hiring manager's name there, I was like, let this person know that I have the profile, I have the experience and I want to do it. Yeah. I don't have the, the um, ability to actually apply because I don't meet one of the qualifications, but it's not going to stop me from letting it be known and putting it out in the universe that this is something that I would want. Because again, if you don't let people know what to look out for, how can they look out for you? So, you know, that's just a practical life example, considering it's my first actual day (laughs) stepping foot into the office. I haven't even spoken to my other two bosses yet. This is the first email she's getting from me and it's, hey, I saw this other job. (laughs) I love the way the universe works though, because it's all about timing and and you're right. You just got to put yourself out there and ask. You never know what might come of it. Exactly. I'm really going to take that forward for 2022. You know, I've been trying so hard to do that in my work life, but I'm going to try to also implement that in my personal life because you know what? You should just go for it and see what happens. What's the worst that can happen? It's true. It's true. I have one final point that I want to make on climbing the ladder authentically. And this is more from someone who might be in a position where they're being an entrepreneur or they're trying to grow their personal brand and profile. And it's just about networking, but networking with integrity. And the the nicest way of putting this is basically don't be a beg. So when, when um, <laughs> this is such a London point, oh my <laughs> it's, do you know what I have to say? Because when you're in certain circles and scenarios where you might be with kind of high profile people or celebrities or or even just senior people who might be able to help you get to where you need to be, um, they can smell inauthenticity and fakeness a mile off. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a room seeing people do that as well, it's it's so cringy watching someone like that extra loud laugh at someone's joke or the ass licking and the oh you know what I mean that just like you you know yeah yeah and there there really is an art to networking well and you have to it comes with practice I am not someone who enjoys doing it but it's a necessary part of being a a co-founder and doing the entrepreneurial stuff you do have to know people and it's the best way to get yourself up there so climbing the ladder authentically doesn't just have to be in terms of getting promotions and more jobs but it can be like you know for your brand or for your business or whatever it is you're doing there are ways that you're going to need to climb through knowing people and the most authentic way of networking with someone that you don't necessarily know is obviously just be yourself. Um, make sure you are clear with what you want. So I found recently that when you are at these networking events, everyone knows that you're there for a reason. Someone else is there for a reason. Being upfront in the beginning about the reason why you're there makes things a lot easier rather than pretending you're there because you love them and you want to be friends and down the line asking for a favor. Sometimes it is just a matter of saying, this is what I do. This is why it's good. And could you put me in touch with so-and-so? Or could we have a meeting to discuss it? Because I'd like to get you involved. The more direct you are, the less they're going to be taken aback by like feeling that you're being fake or that there's an ulterior motive to the conversation. And it ties really, really nicely in with what your final point just was. And it's, again, just being not afraid to hear a no. And once you start, like, I guess, overcoming that fear of a no, you just ask and you never know what you're going to get. We managed to secure a very large sum of money from the charity for the charity this week by simply just asking someone that we knew was a high net worth individual, whether they would cover a a considerable amount of money for salary costs and they said yes 
we just had to ask mm. we'd, known, we'd known this person for two years and had never asked them for money went out for lunch asked them no questions asked he was just like yes I love the charity I'll give you the money and it's, it, it is as simple as that but you have to get to a point where they they know that you're I guess that you're going to stand true to your word and they have to believe in the vision and what you're doing beforehand, but just, yeah, cut the fakeness and network to the best of your ability. No, I really, really do love that point. And I I can't tell you just how cringy it is inside when you just see people just be so fake and gross it just it just makes my skin crawl personally I'm like I will say this is the one time during this episode recording that I'm going to say me and Karina in this sense are very alike even though I'm a lot more extroverted than Karina is there's something I find so deeply uncomfortable about the networking environment and feeling like you're forced to like maintain or bring up and start conversations with different people because the thought of like actually standing next to someone like face to face and running out of interesting things to say makes me want to jump out of my skin so I just (laughs) avoid doing it it's hard either I either just stand alone until I had a bit to drink so I can go and like try or hopefully like people see me and like feel bad or I'd simply go up to someone that I know at this event and then use them as a vector to then talk to a wider group and then go from there. But it's just, it's just so deeply uncomfortable. But I think in finding it uncomfortable, it also makes me not make a fall out of myself and overcompensate. But do you know what, in, in the same respect, cause I've met a lot of the people because a lot of the people here child is it's only networking, even social and personal outings are networking every single time you go out here but there are some people that they they really are skilled at it and I think in London it would definitely be their approaches a lot more cringy but it gets to a certain point where they're just very upfront about it mm-hmm. and they let you know oh my gosh there's a private um, beachfront specifically for people that work at certain organizations let's say and that place is the worst because you think you're out of work and it's social but you forget the context so you're making friends you think you know there's so many people coming up to you being so nice and halfway through oh where do you work Da-da-da-da. oh and um, what do you do there and if you're not senior enough they actually just the conversation ends right there and then girl and you went from being <laughs> best friends to them just ghosting you and just walk away and I was like okay wow I'm not important enough people, but- people are very real about it but I prefer that I genuinely I prefer, prefer that, that. Like, I'm like do you know, know what we've here. had a cute Exactly. We've had a cute 15 minutes. You don't need to drag this out, like invite me out during the weekend with all your friends and then ask me then, like, just let me know now. And it's very straightforward. It's it's been cute. But like being in this environment where people just off bat network because it's the only way to survive, it's forced me to like find a way of doing it. But I'm with you. And there's just certain things. There's certain levels of like begginess that I just no amount of opportunity can make me like actually stoop to some of the level of begginess that I've, mm-hmm. I've been seeing child <laughs> and that also, was that was a good note to <laughs> that was a good note to bring up because it's just making <laughs> me think of so many cringy examples <laughs> yeah and also you, you you make a very good point that networking doesn't just have to be at a networking event it can be at this beach for an or it can be at dinner drinks whatever virtually LinkedIn Roxy uh whatever but yeah I can split that in quite nicely but no networking doesn't have to be in a formal setting so kind of always be conscious of it when you're meeting people outside of a a traditional networking event as well definitely definitely well that's all from me today I think I've covered all the points that I wanted to give I hope that 
the little insight into different things that I've done along the way has been useful and hopefully as well the fact that me and Gloria have very different circumstances and trajectories makes it useful for more more people yeah definitely as you can see Karina has been a serious somebody from day dot and I'm growing into not a serious even. somebody now <laughs> not even my oh, life's still a, half my life's still a mess so oh we're all learning but uh, yeah. thank you so much everyone for tuning in and as always please do feel free to continue the conversation over on our socials um so find us on instagram at clued up but clueless and do let us know um what future content you'd like to see we're really really enjoying um the feedback that we got the feedback <laughs> the <laughs> feedback that we got on our last episode um uh that because we know it was a lot of information child um yeah. so we will see if we can do uh another episode maybe breaking down some of the options that we gave you especially the online options so yeah do stay tuned for that in the future and if you have any other questions or want to see anything more from us do send us a dm and we'll be happy to see you absolutely until next time bye bye